Welcome to the Dixposed Podcast. First order of business tonight is we are rebranding the podcast. We are now going to be Galatians 3 Ministries. We believe there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither free nor slave, and neither male nor female. Well, fellers, time to cut your dicks off. Okay. Enough. Enough childishness. Stop it! Just stop it. <clears throat> so, uh, anyone on Twitter last week uh, decided to um, become involved in this absolute crap storm that showed up on the interwebs. Of uh, Stephen Wolf saying something that's just innocuously true. His tweet goes, White evangelicals are the lone bulwark against the moral insanity of America. There is absolutely, positively no place in Christ Church for white or Asian or black or Latino or anything else used as a divisive label. The unity of the body of Christ is the singular, undivided, indispensable righteousness of Christ, not in skin color, kin, tribe, or nation. You know, I've got, I'm, you know, Rich, I'm, I'm wearing some coogies right now, and, and I will not stand with anyone who seeks to undermine that unity. With the use of such labels, I stood up in 2018 after MLK 50 and said the exact same thing. One man called for an ecumenical council to condemn me as a heretic for daring to say the Lord's table is a place not for ethnicity or labels, but solely as a place to focus upon Christ. You know, so after my 3,487 debates, you know, worldwide debates, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a world leading expert in this particular field. So the only bulwark against the morally insanity of the West is found in the fidelity to Scripture as the revelation of God and its proclamation of Christ as Lord of the nations. The sole and only way of peace with God and hence the only way of peace amongst men. That message is not white, black, green, or blue. I have far, far, far more in common with a Chinese pastor standing firm in the face of CCP torture than I do white evangelicals whose commitment to scripture is weaker than his commitment to a political party or cause. So this morning, Rich, I was out there uh, riding my bike. You know, I did, I did a full century this morning. I, I went, you know, I went and did 10,000 miles and, you know, now I'm here recording this song, uh, recording the dividing line. It's, it is time. We all took a deep, deep breath backed up about a year or so and said, let's try this again, slowly, carefully, without the influence of undue emotion, and let us in grace and love towards fellow believers think this through. As soon as it comes to our using ethnic groups as meaningful cohorts, rather than the unity of the body and the gospel, we will know we have lost our way. That was... um. That was actually James White's response to the tweet that you mentioned. <laughs> uh, with, with, with a little bit of my parody mixed in. You know. Yeah, he, he didn't mention all of his debates in that, but <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> he, he did in the dividing line. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to have to qualify this a little bit. I, I have a lot of respect for Dr. White. I really do. I do um, and he was helpful to me in a lot of, a lot of situations. Um, but in this specific instance, James White just jumped the shark completely, L lost his mind, um, and <laughs> as Stephen Wolf was not saying anything incredibly crazy. And, and I'm going to read the rest of the thread. Um, you know, he says, instead of saying, yeah, but me too, why not say, yeah, white evangelicals have endured the accusation and made their block essential to moral, insan to moral sanity. 
white evangelicalism is relentlessly attacked by the left and center-right, but a guy says something positive about them and he's called racist. Weird. It's as if the established rhetorical norms require you to hate this group. It is simply true that white evangelicals as a group have been essential to the success of the GOP and conservative causes, and they remain the most reliable voters for those opposing woke and transgenderism. He quote tweets a guy saying, guys, this pretty obvious this tweet is about numerically significant demographics, not ethnic purity, or excluding individuals. You can see, though, that it's fine to denigrate 87% of the white evangelicals for voting Trump, but of course, not okay to praise them. Stephen continues, the OP is statistically true, whether you like it or not. As a group used in social science, white evangelicals have been and continue to be an essential voting bloc for the GOP and conservative causes. There is no other comparable group that comes close. Lone bulwark means that the absence of white evangelical bloc would torpedo us into moral insanity. There is no other group that I am aware of whose absence would cause this. Also, I blame white people for the moral insanity. <laughs> uh, so, so one of the things I'd like to point out is, is everybody's like, oh, well, he's not defending what lone bulwark means. And I'm just like, yeah. he, he, he literally defines what lone bulwark means. You know, these right. people were saying like, oh, only white people are voting this way. So um, as a little bit of a tangent here, um, so I, I understand that, you know, we, we, we live, we're kind of like not on the fringe of the entire Kenneth argument or anything like that. We're like, we're fairly moderate, I would say. Um, but at the same time, like I'm looking at, you know, some of my, so, some of the black leaders in the church, like, um, uh, it's just on my screen, uh, chocolate Knox, uh, who is, uh, um, uh, part of cross politics of Moscow, Idaho. And uh, then there was also, what is it, Virgil Walker, I believe his name was. Yeah. You know, they, oh, and um, uh, Slow to Write, whatever his name is. They just absolutely lost their flipping minds in, in saying that this tweet was racist. And, and in my mind, it's like, well, no matter how good of a relationship we have with our, our, our black Christian brothers, we can never not use kid gloves when we're conversing with them. And I think that does both them a disservice and us a disservice because we can't be completely honest with them because we're always going to be afraid if they take it the wrong way. You know, right. we're, we, we can have a conversation with them. We say one wrong thing and boom, uh, you know, they, they'll call us racist and, and that'll, you know, that, that'll irreputably damage our reputation. So I'm just kind of like, what, well, and then the when you ask them how it's racist and they ignore um, the fact that he was talking about voting statistics. And, and this is, uh, you know, the whole point of the the opening uh, little jab at everyone. And I realized that was a little crass. Um, but, you know, the point is that what we got during this conversation, and just to, I'm going to give you a sample conversation. You know, I say, um, this is talking about voting blocks, right? And they would actually quote part of that verse and say, there's neither Jew nor Greek. And so then I say, well, then there's neither male nor female. And of course, I, they think I look ridiculous because I am following up on that because I know what passage they're quoting. And they tell me I'm being dishonest and disingenuous. And then they quote Galatians 3 to me. And, and I have to walk through, you know, I spent a good amount of time with one, uh, as far as I'm aware, brother in Christ, and saying, you know, how you treat one set of categories in that passage, you have to treat the rest of them. And so if you if you say there's neither Jew nor Greek because everybody's just dissolved into the gospel, well, then why is there still male or female? And well, it, it, it's interesting that argument is actually used by the uh, by the liberals that want to push female pastorates. Exactly, and and I, I'm not accusing. I don't think James White. Um, I think if James White had taken the time to interrogate Stephen Wolf, like he would interrogate any of the people he's debated, 
I think that he would have come out with, um, you know, brother, I think you just phrased that wrong. And he said this in the dividing line. Of course, he continues to miss the point because there was a moment in which he seemed to want to give the credence to the idea that Stephen Wolf was actually just talking about voting statistics. Um, but then he backtracked that immediately and went back to talking about, you know, his, again, you know, I appreciate Dr. White, but it, it really was dishonest the way that he treated Stephen Wolf um, in his podcast. And, and, you know, the, the book that he wrote to, you know, combat the single tweet um, was, was bad enough by itself. But then you add on top of it that he says this guy's supposed to be a Bible-believing Christian. Therefore, whenever he says anything about white, it necessarily has to do with ecclesiology. And that's just on its face. Uh, um, what's a kind word for this? O on its face, it's obtuse. And at worst, it's intentional misrepresentation. And so it it really shows, at the very least, how far the liberal frame has pervaded into what into people who would ostensibly be conservative Christians in in the classical sense. Um now, this gets into some of my other issues with White when he rejects uh, Thomism and the argument he has for rejecting Thomism. Um, and that's a whole other podcast we'll have to get into later. Um, but this also gets into the fact that he's associated with Owen Strachan, uh, who affirms, as far as I'm aware, um, eternal subordination of the sun, which is a Trinitarian heresy. Um, and, and it when I see stuff like this start adding up for somebody like James White, it's really cause for concern. And it sounds like to me to give a charitable reading to James White, that James White is acting out of passion and not out of reason. Um, but in a sense, you know, I said this on Twitter, it makes me not trust James White. Cause how can I trust that in the middle of a conversation, if I mention a fact that's uncomfortable to his Pavlovian conditioning that he's going to turn on me in the middle of the conversation. How do I know that's not going to happen? And I think that's really the danger with just about anyone you talk to. Um, you know, you know, I can have a fine conversation with nearly anyone, but if I, if I touch that nerve, then all of a sudden, you know, they might go run to the KGB, you know, figure of speech, right? <laughs> um, we're, we're not quite to that point yet. The Chloe's. But, um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 but also in that same vein, we can see those people that we thought were, you know, solid, you know, to kind of quote that, uh, you know, the, the solid bulwarks that we thought were solid kind of, kind of just absolutely crumble and fall because then they're like, Oh, he's, he's racist. And uh, according to boomers, and Christians that aren't in the know being a racist is, you know, the, the, the most mortal sin that a white man can commit today. So, right. um, I mean, I mean, if they're calling you racist as if it actually matters on Twitter today, then those are the people that will literally report you to the KGB, you know, uh, be because you're just the absolute scum of the earth. Like that is the one unforgivable sin in white evangelicalism. Ironically right. enough. Well, and it wasn't just James White. So I know we're picking on James White right now. And if, no, you, it look wasn't. Title, if you look at the title of this, um, that's also a James White quote because of some memes that A.D. Robles put out there. Um, but, you know, it's also uh, Boyce from G3 and the other, the other group, the other people at G3, by the way. And... Um, even uh, at first, it seemed that Canon Press was joining in on the the pogrom, um, but they he seemed to backtrack some of the some of the lynching the 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 digital lynching in his uh, in his post. I'm actually going to look that. I up. think that was just damage control. 
I, I don't. I don't. Th- I think he kind of. I mean, the the tweet was vague enough that he could kind of twist it whatever way he wanted. And well, I think but he, he didn't make that tweet. Somebody was making that tweet outside of him, and he he made right. that tweet clear there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Douglas Wilson made that tweet. What I'm saying is that tweet was vague enough that he could shift the winds and what like he could test the winds and then push that tweet in whatever direction he wanted. That's just my opinion from the outside looking in. I don't. I don't want to, you know, jump in and say, "Oh yeah, he's, you know, he's X, Y, and Z." That's just kind of the way that I'm that I've interpreted that. You know what I'm saying? Like he saw which ways the winds blew, and he says, "Okay, we're gonna push the tweet that way instead of letting it float down the river over here." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, let me let me read a little bit from the introduction. This. While it's got his usual um, extra effort to be witty and wordy, let me let me. I'm going to read a little bit from from the article. It's it's uh, the tweet an after action report. Uh, a few days ago, Stephen Wolf tweeted something that garnered no little attention. The offending tweet can be seen off to the right here. "Quote: White evangelicals are the lone bulwark against moral insanity in in America." Unquote. Some, like Allie Beth Stuckey, took it as a simple demographic demographic observation. I read it and moved on, taking it the same way, and probably went to lunch. The problem was that the official Twitter voices did not take it that way, and the whole thing went up in a white sheet of flame. One observer noted the troublesome color of that sheet of flame. But we can pass by that for now. Others were yelling for yelling's sake, having seen a golden opportunity present itself. Why let a good gaffe go to waste? while conservative friends were scratching their heads, wondering why Stephen had wanted to bring the color of the evangelicals into the mix. But wait, things get more complicated. Canon Press, publisher of Stephen Books, The Case for Christian Nationalism, reached out to Stephen with their concerns. After that, they tweeted a picture of David French and Russell Moore with the caption, quote, Stephen's hope for Western civilization, unquote. Get it? Two white leaders of the alleged lone bulwark who are known to have worldview spines of stracato pasta, lacking al dente qualities entirely. Well, many folks didn't get it, and Cannon followed up with a a simpler tweet. Quote, to be clear, this is dumb. Unquote. And the festivities only grew from there. A bunch of genuine racist trolls, get it, get it, came out of the woodwork to dance with drums and tambourines in order to celebrate what they thought Stephen was up to. Wittedly dubbing Canon Cohen Press. Get it? And calling the proprietor of this blog a race trader along with other deft touches of high intellect. But as far as the Cohen thing goes, I keep coming back to the fact that Woodrow Wilson, who pretty much wrecked everything, was not a Jew. In the middle of such gaudy proceedings, remember that we need to budget for the inevitable arrival of some Ray Epps types, one who is urging us all to go ahead and embrace some suicidal move. So if you're that guy trying to recruit enough people for an, an online idiot cluster, now would be a good time to pipe down. Other folks, not woke stormtroopers, but soft and hard critics of, of Christian nationalism in general, quietly or loudly, nodded their approval over Canning Press having finally reached its reactionary limit. Even they called Wolf dumb, which they didn't. And others, not trolls or anything, wondered whether Wilson and Moscow were going wobbly or caving to the woke police. They wondered if we were joining the ranks of those believers who yelp on command. Which, for anyone who knows us, is, is as likely as Christchurch requiring masks and vax, card, vax cards at worship. All in all, it was as though the neighborhood cats, running a bad fever, decided to frolic in dear grandmother's yarn, yarn closet. And it has now fallen to my lot to try and untangle things a bit. It's my turn, after all. Nancy sorted it out last time. So he goes on. But, you know, he he calls it dumb um, because he he's kind of playing into this idea that, well, white evangelicals, well, what about more? What about French? Which, again, misses the point because Stephen's talking about a group made up of two over, overlapping demographics, evangelicals and whites. And so he 
just like everybody else in this conversation, especially the you know, the chocolate Knoxes and and the others, they're all referring to individuals, which is not how group voting block analysis works. And so a guy who ostensibly talks about politics most of the time and who wrote a book about politics and has debating has been debating the politics of the book for the last, I don't know, month, two months, three months. Uh, why would you ever think, one, that he's talking about ecclesiastical issues because he's been debating about political issues? And two, why would you give individual analysis when it calls for group analysis? Because that's the criticism, that's the analysis he's making. So they, they end up falling into the same trap and you know, again, this is not a, uh, it's not really an attack on even James White. It's Stephen Wolf was talking about a voting block, and everybody wants to talk about the exceptions to the voting block. But the exceptions prove the rule in this case. And when you keep bringing up that he's talking about voting blocks, in my opinion, and I know you you share this opinion because we talked about it on Twitter, it gets into the realm of Ninth Commandment violations because they don't want to be seen as racist. So they're willing to violate the Ninth Commandment because they want to not offend people who hate them and want them destroyed. It's just baffling to me how much they have lied about him about this issue. Let's let's actually get into what what we what we wanted to speak on, and that's the Galatians three. Um, so I'm just gonna start in verse twenty six, and I'm gonna go all the way down to verse twenty nine. Do it. We so need. Some, is it in the King James though? It is. It's in the sixteen eleven King James, Oxford, Cambridge, George Michael Montgomery edition. Based. For ye are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, I mean, I think that's pretty clear, man. There's, uh, there's, there's. There's no Jews or Greeks, so, you know. There's there's no males or females, man. So, can't everybody just like what, what's up with this white evangelical thing? You know, it's it's just one church, man. Like, you know, imagine me giving the peace sign right now and smoking a doobie. Um, <laughs> but but I, I find it quite ironic that literally in verse twenty nine, then ye are Abraham's seed. So. Was Abraham a male? He had seed. I mean, there's neither there's neither male nor female, bro. I don't think it's there. I got to stop calling you bro too. Yeah, yeah. Just just call me just call me Zer Zim. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, no. So I read this chapter uh, before uh, before we actually started this, and uh, you know, I kind of had a general idea of what this verse was about. You know, because surely Paul isn't going to contradict Paul by by listing out, you know, gender roles in one book and then just totally obliterate it in his book to the Galatians. Um, as we know, the book of Galatians is is a is a polemic against the Judaizers. You know, the, the Judaizers are those that that said, in order to obtain salvation, you must be circumcised. And um, and Paul's like, no, you're, you're saved by faith. You're saved by Christ. And any works that we do is, 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 you know, does not merit one iota towards our salvation. What he's essentially saying is, is that, it doesn't matter what you are according to the flesh. It, it's by your faith that you're saved. Like the entire chapter of chapter three is saying, you know, yeah, you can't, 
you can't earn your salvation according to the law. Like there's nothing you can do. There's no way that you can be born at there. There's, there's no, no prescriptive way of how you were born that obtains you salvation. It's only by faith in Christ. You know, it, it literally in verse 27, it says, have you put that, you know, you've been baptized into Christ and you have put on Christ, you know? So, I, I'm not sure why that's so why that's quite hard for Protestants in America to actually understand that we're not saved by based on who we are. And I don't think anybody other than some CI heretics would argue that we're saved by who we are. Yeah, so I mean there's two other places where this is this issue is brought up. And I, I wanna I'm I'm gonna read a little extra around it to make sure that context is not lost. So the first the first one I'm going to bring up is Colossians 3. Colossians 3, I'm going to start with verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel with against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, the perfectness. So... This has nothing to do with abolishing distinctions. This has everything to do with these sins that he's mentioning. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These things also put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. These are evil no matter who you are. And Christ, no matter who you are or where you came from, expects you to stop it. Just stop it. That's the, pa- the point of the passage. It doesn't get rid of these distinctions. And then again, in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God had ra- hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice that this is all talking about salvation. All three of these passages are talking about salvation. None of them are talking about um, your family. Uh, If you want to get really pietistic and you want to go back to the, the Gospels where... Christ said, if you're going to love me, you have to hate your father and mother and leave them. If you're going to get pietistic, then, I mean, you could take that passage out of context if you want. But why would God tell you to honor your father and mother and then tell you to hate them? Seems kind of dumb. As like an easy contradiction. Yeah, I mean... You lose your argument for any I just get this part out you lose your argument from any of these passages when you try to make this about anything but salvation it, it your entire argument falls apart you you know as we mentioned earlier Galatians 3 is used by the sexual degenerates to justify being a tranny and as you use that passage in that way you're just validating their argument. Why would you do that? I mean, aside from the fact that you're abusing the text to begin with, but why would you validate their argument? 
for the abolishment of, of, of male versus female? Uh, I think it really goes to show how many functional Gnostics we have. You know, you know that they, yeah. they'll give lip service to the fact that we're going to be raised bodily from the dead, but we're going to be this amorphous blob of skin color when we actually are raised from the dead. You know, like if if it was bad for me to be white, then God wouldn't have made me white. Like I, I've got to repent of things that I since I committed, not things that Christ did to me. Like make me white, you know. You know what I mean, uh, right? And I, I've talked to you know, there's a friend of mine who used to be very close to CI, and he he recently talked to me. He says, "Think about this for a moment. You were made in the image of God, and then God just rejects you, and now you're incapable of salvation because of." your lineage, the passages that we've just been bringing up, Colossians, Galatians, Romans, these are saying that doesn't matter. That God can and will save you if you are within his elect. And he'll do it regardless of who's your daddy. He's willing to redeem you regardless. This is why all of the slave owners who were Christians gave their slaves the gospel because they believe those black people could be saved. And there are a lot of black people alive today who are in the family of God, regardless of their bad politics, regardless of their bad positions. There's a whole lot of white people who have bad, bad positions and bad politics. There's a whole lot of people who are saved right now because there was a slave owner who loved his slaves enough to give them the gospel hundreds of years ago. And they believe that they could be saved. Christ says that they can be saved. Paul points out that they can be saved. So that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, within the realm of reasonable interpretation of Scripture, nobody is saying that they can't be in the body of Christ. That was never even the topic of conversation. Nobody's denying that. So... And nobody brought it up, by the way, except for the people who are reading on the internet right now. So why bring it up to begin with? Well, because they want to do what they're accusing us of doing, and that is being divisive. You know, they, they want to, you know, for instance, me and you and uh, another friend of ours had a, had a fairly lengthy interaction with this moron on Twitter. Um where he, he essentially he just wanted to call us Nazis. He had no substantive argument for anything that he was saying. He just wanted to slander and call us Nazis. Okay. And, and I think it's because they want themselves to be seen by the world as these virtuous lights. You know, because they, they've been fed this this entire thing. We're like, okay, well, you don't want to mar your witness, so you better not say anything mean, nasty, or truthful. Um, so, so Why you need you to make sure people think when they hate you. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, hold hold on. I mean, I mean, I, I do see some validity to their argument, and not not validity in, validity in any theological sense, but when you're raised in such a way for so long, and you don't actually like we're a part of the, 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 the alternate narrative, right? Like we, we are against sure. the mainstream, but these mainstream guys, they're, they're still living off of, you know, 1990s VBS where, Oh, right. you need to have a good witness. You can't, you don't need to, to go out smoking and drinking and in anything like that. You need to have a good witness for all the worldly people to see Jesus in you. When, when, right. when in reality, you know, if we want to use that standard, Jesus didn't have a good witness. He ate with sinners. You know, the Pharisees called him a drunkard. You know, the, the Sadducees called him a glutton. Um, he, he, you know, hung out with some, you know, rough fishermen. He didn't have a good witness by 1990s VBS standards. So well, I mean, some people tried to call him out for violating the Sabbath, in, in which he turned around and called himself God by the way. Um, yeah. it, and so, yeah, I mean, it, 
and, and so let me let me add this in there. And this, this is something that that I've done. So, and I, I'm going to try really hard not to dox myself. But if it ends up me being doxed, fine. Um, I'll cut that part out of there. But so we're, we're this whole issue of the trainee books being released into the libraries. This issue came into my town, and so I'm at the library talking to people who you know, at the start of the confrontation, thought I was calling them all pedophiles. Which, I didn't do that. But, we're in a conversation, and so I'm bringing that part up because this conversation, this interaction, started with these people thinking very little of me and feeling attacked by me and coming in very aggressive. And I sat in the parking lot of this library for an hour and a half and the whole issue of them thinking that I called them a pedophile went away within 15 minutes and the rest of the conversation was my kid is gay and you would have me abandon my child their, their kid is um, you know, trans, and you would want me to hurt my my trans grand grandchild. And so, speaking to someone in that, and this is a mother, the husband's sitting right there, but he's a very weak man, and he he bowls over. She has no structure in her life. She has no one to give her a ballast, to give her a a a a, a form of. Uh, uh, law and a form of uh, grounding in her life. He just does whatever she says. And he took a back seat during the conversation. But over that hour and a half, you know, we covered a lot and I even covered stuff that most people are scared to ask. And I ask, okay, the pedophile thing comes up because there are actual pedophiles who hide behind the term minor attracted persons who are waving your flag and y'all don't do anything about it. You say that you're against pedophiles, but when pedophiles use your flag as cover, you give them cover. That's why you're getting flack for that. That's why people are calling you pedophiles because you're covering for them. And if you say you're against it, you should stop it. She agrees with that. In the conversation. And then I go on to a gospel presentation. Which she listened to. I tell her how she's in sin. I tell her how her son's in sin. I tell her how her her granddaughter. Is being raised to be sinful. And I do it in a very blunt way. I'm, I'm not exactly a tactful guy. When I talk about this stuff. But as a mother. I can also deal with this person as a mother. and And try to. Talk to her within her situation. Because her husband should stand up and say, stop this. This is evil. But he won't do that. So that's an actual interaction that I had with somebody. And I'm not going to give any more details because, you know, I've given a ton. But I talk to people who think that I hate them. I talk to And I don't hate this lady. I don't hate her son. I don't hate her grandchildren. I think that they're destroying themselves and they need the gospel they need Christ and all of this nonsense on Twitter where they are going back and forth what, the, what these people need to hear who want to abolish all male and female is not oh well it's neither Jew nor Greek you, you, you ignore that because it's a red herring. It's not the conversation. The conversation is these people are in their sins and they're violators of God's law. And if they don't repent, they're going to go to hell. And so you call them to repentance, even if they hate you. And I left an hour and a half long conversation that went from she thinks that I hate her and she hates me to we had a very amicable ending. She understood where I was coming from. And I gave her the gospel. And she appreciated the conversation. 
that's how that ought to go. But you ought not give them credence to their their sin by playing games with scripture because you're scared of being called a racist. Sorry, in rant. I just I I deal with this on a on an individual level. I talk to people. I, I'm not up here just running my mouth about things. And so when oh, no. when James White gets on the internet and starts running his mouth to virtue signal to people who want him destroyed. It's baffling to me. And when Chocolate Knox gets offended, because oh, I'm I've been I guess I've not been doing anything. Well, That's not what was said. One one of the things that you know this might be a little bit of a side note. One of the things that I find interesting is Chocolate Knox is okay with saying, you know, give me the black church. You know, because that's kind of where he gets his name. Yeah. Huh? Outside but, but yet, Yeah. But he, he's he's in Moscow, Idaho, where there's like 20 black people. Whiteies. Total. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's wider than a Ku Klux Klan convention. Okay. <laughs> it's white, white there. Okay. But, I don't know. There's a lot of a certain tribe there, but. <laughs> but. <laughs> But 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 you know so so one of the things I'd like to point out you, so you mentioned that the lady you know she didn't support pedophilia or anything like that but she was okay waving like the trans flag and that that kind of yeah. garbage mm -hmm. okay well but all but the same people that are waving those things are also upset that Ron Ron the Chad man Santas <laughs> is is making it you know is making it a death penalty. For for the uh, for for child um uh, what what is it um I know it's kitty diddling but also um like any sexual crimes regarding children and right. the the trans crowd is just absolutely flipping their crap you know yes yeah and there, and, and there's I, I'm not yeah mind. keep going no 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 I mean, well the only thing I was gonna say was like they kind of do go hand in hand. So when you don't present these people with, with, with the truth that, you know, transgenderism is literally a, a, a harmful thing for their children, then you're, you're doing them a great disservice, right? If you, yeah. if, you if you're not linking that, the, the trans movement with pedophilia and with, child grooming and with child castration and with mutilation and all these other things, then you're, you're not really telling them the truth. You know, I, I of course, I, I don't know, really know what the disconnect is on how you can't connect all those just at the beginning. I mean, I, I, well, I and if there's one criticism that I had in that conversation with that lady, I, I would have brought up how many, how, the, the frequency of of child diddlers who were drag queen story time leads and i would have expressed the danger that she's putting children in because of this i would have talked about some of the books now that had come up in a different conversation with other people but uh if 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 i wanted that conversation to really be complete i would have added that in there um, but my main focus in the moment was calling her sin out and calling her son sin out and calling, you know, the sin that they're imposing on that child. And I mean, the child, the, the child is sinning, but the child is sinning in ways that it doesn't understand. That child doesn't know what it's doing. Right. Um, and so there it's that that is child abuse for sure. Um, I, I just from that conversation and 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 the, the interaction that I had. Uh, there were probably other people there who were part of protesters who probably were child diddlers, if I was being honest. I don't think this lady was one of them. Um, right. And and so, yeah, I could be wrong about that, I suppose, but I just did, I, I don't I didn't get that from the conversation. She 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 seemed very disgusted that I was even bringing up the fact that there were child diddlers within her sphere of influence. And I'm praying, I have prayed that I've gave I've given her something to think about during that conversation and I hope she starts putting pieces together, but you know, that, that really needs to be, um, 
there's there's a video of a professor who who goes into um, the links between uh, Antifa, uh, uh, gender studies, the queer movement, and child diddling. How all the people who generated the first three ideas were all child diddlers. Um, and they talked about how their gender queer theory is going to lead up to child diddling. Um, it, it's an open secret, really. Well, so, what's, that, what's that one guy's like? Angst, 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 and Angus. Oh, flip! He he was like the the world renowned scientist on on the whole uh, transgender thing, and he he was studying. Um, oh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to not use as graphic a language, but basically, um, he he was studying how how infants would um, become aroused and, and you Skinner. know he, he said that yeah Skinner that that, that was his name I think it was Angus yeah. Skinner something like yeah, that something yeah like I, that. I, I know Skinner uh, for sure uh, well he, he he essentially was going going through and you know like anytime they made a movement he, he was marking that down as you know an yeah. arousal or some bull crap like and, that and and just and just to be complete with it he was he was having these tests performed by um uh uh felons like murderers and the like so mm. he was using prison convicts to perform these tests with said individuals just i mean it, it this Skinner is the guy that they hold up in high regard. In you know, there's uh, there's a, I think it's the the um, University of Illinois. They got a statue of him, right? So yes, yeah, Skinner Skinner is a big a big deal, and he's talked about, and it and it grates my nerves every single time uh, somebody like uh, Jordan Peterson quotes him. I just I. I gotta turn it off. He quotes Skinner. Oh yeah, he he quotes Skinner a few times. Yeah. Why why would you want to quote that demon, bro? I don't know, and that that's what I said. It it he he's in he's he's not done it a lot. He's done it like two times as far as I'm aware. But every time he does it, I have to turn it off. Like he's quoting him as if Skinner made some kind of real discovery. (laughs) Now it's like no, uh, uh, no, no. That's like getting nutritional advice from Kellogg. Who was a Seventh Day Adventist and and wanted us to eat cornflakes to to prevent masturbation? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, raw potatoes work better than cornflakes. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> just get married and stop being no, on the internet. I've not tried any of that. I'm just assuming because I've ate cornflakes and I have taken a bite from a raw potato, and I think a raw potato works better. It's get married, bro. <laughs> well, I am married, so. Uh, but but um, well, okay. So then this kind of goes back to to the thing that I was thinking back when that deranged tranny uh, killed those six innocent people. Uh, uh, what about including a month three ago? children? Yes, including three children, uh, and including one black gentleman. But but you know when that deranged tranny was was um. Uh, killed those six innocents you know what I, I was just thinking i'm like how did we let it get this far why did we not why did we as a as a population not see this evil for what it was and i was and I, at first i was thinking why did we not laugh it out of the public square and then i'm thinking no we we can't laugh at an evil like this like this is this is this is creation level rebellion we don't yep. laugh at something like that. Like we, we, we should have been angry. Like men in the fifties, and I'm not talking about like boomers being born. I'm talking about the men of the fifties. If this type of crap would have happened, they would have banded together, grabbed them by by their collars, and thrown them off off of the, off of the top of the temple, so to speak. You know, throw them right. off a cliff, throw them in the lake. They they would have actually handled this, but we have not yet handled this. We should have been rounding these people up and throwing them out of civilized society. 
we 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 can't co if you want to be a serious society, we cannot coexist with this type of absolute deranged perversion. I mean, because that, that's what it is. It's it's, it's just straight up dere derangement and perversion. Like Romans one speaks clearly of God giving them over to their sinful desires. There is nothing more deranged than you rejecting the own biology that you were born with. Right. Yeah. So so I'm just I'm just trying to think of like how how we can pretend to live in a in a serious society while we have these these faggots running around in dresses pretending to be something that they're not. Well, and and you know, if we're going to be completely honest, this goes all the way back to the it goes all the way back to the uh the women's liberal movement, you know, we, oh, we covered this. Say the enlightenment. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately you could, you could make that argument, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, more specifically, more locally, you know, we, we can go back to, you know, Dabney talked about this. Um, uh, recently you've had two books, uh, masculine Christianity and it's good to be a man. Um, there's also, uh, from a, a women's perspective, even exile was an excellent book. Regarding yes, this issue, it was. Uh, tracing back the philosophy of a lot of this woke nonsense uh, back to the early 1800s, where Dabney was sitting there hollering and screaming, telling everybody to stop, and they didn't stop it when it when it started. Uh, now, some of this was kind of settled by a, a certain war. Which we are still salty about, um, but you know, in, in a more serious note, it's it's we have to roll back things in a very large degree, and I think uh, Garrus and masculine Christianity does a good job of really laying out how far we need to roll things back, and he he points out the source of the problem, which has to do with a lot of the French enlightenment walking over here through um, the Quakers and the Puritans. And so that needs to be addressed. That needs to be talked about. We need to go back to what does God say a man and a woman are supposed to do. Um, but we also have to deal rightly. And this, this is, this is where it comes to a separate issue and it gets more into, you know, you, you talked about functional Gnostics earlier. Um, we're also going to have to have the conversation about ethnicity. And most people are not ready for that conversation. Um, and I, I'm not saying this in the in the, the snippy-snappy black woman context. I mean that most people can't have this conversation without getting so emotionally involved that they start a boomerang like James White. And that, and that proves it is that you could talk about voting demographics and then people go nuts. They, they lose all capacity for rational thought and rational engagement, and they go nuts. Um, and so in, in some way, we have to put the conversation out there. The, the functional Gnosticism that we're dealing with stems back to the idea that for 200 years we haven't gotten the idea of Man and women, right? And so now we're not even not only dealing with people who are trainees, we can't even have a conversation about ethnic voting blocks without it turning into a race war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess in one sense, I mean, we've been so like, AD puts it great. Hold on, let me let me pull up what AD says. Um. One moment. Oh no, he's quoting a Mexican. He, he he put a put a really good thread together a couple days ago, and uh, let me see if I can find it. It's down. It's it, it's down here somewhere. Six hours later. Uh, no, that wasn't the thread I was thinking of. Three hours later. All right. I was. I right, was. Right, right. 
I've observed white people my whole life as I've always lived among them. White people have an almost insatiable need, almost a reflex, to prove how much they aren't racist and or opposed to racism. Insatiable. Obviously, my entire family is Puerto Rican, so I've spent a ton of time observing non-whites as well. Puerto Ricans have no such reflex, even though I've seen Puerto Ricans do and say things that would get whites, whites shunned from their own family. Takes a lot of practice for whites to resist the reflective, I'm not a racist and stand on racism performance. When, Even when the thing is questioned, it's not even bad at all. Uh, he, he, he goes on for several more tweets. But we really need to stop this bull crap right now. And obviously, you know, probably about 60% of our audience is like, yeah, I've, I've kind of just adopted the fact that I'm going to be called a racist no matter what I do. And to the point where I don't really care, you know, like it, it just doesn't bother me anymore. Um, in, in, in my, my estimation is unless I'm being intentionally mean to someone, I don't really give a crap, you know, like I think racist jokes are funny. What, what's that? That one country songs like I find racist jokes funny. Um, you know, I'm a blue collared worker. Of course, I racist find racist jokes, jokes are pretty funny. funny. They are. You know, if you find find a good one about a white fellow, then let me have it. I'll probably laugh along with you. <laughs> um, it, it has to be grounded in truth. Like the whole white people don't season their food. That's a pretty gay joke, considering it, we conquered the world for flavored foods. The best white people joke that I've seen so far is the uh, Family Guy skit where they go into this alternate reality and everything's like super sci-fi and flying cars and everything. And um, Stewie's like, what world is this? And they said, this is a world where the Irish never invented whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, like two, two minutes later, somebody invents whiskey finally, and this is in the future. And, they start turning into a bunch of animals, but I mean that was hysterical for me. I I died laughing at that skit. But, um, you know, are the Irish white? Yeah, they were pretty white. Um, <laughs> but it was, but that's funny, and you know, obviously it's targeting Irish and making fun of Irish. But so what? <laughs> you know, so what? It's like saying British have bad teeth. Yeah. And Germans don't have a sense of humor. Just, oh don't. man, if you if you follow Corey Mahler, he really doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> of course, he says it's because he's German. I'm just like, Germans aren't people. So, <laughs> well, I mean, Germans don't have don't have a very good sense of humor. I, I, I've I've got I've got some friends who are German, and they just they don't have a sense of humor. So, it, I don't hate them. I just they're, make they're jokes as dry as a Yankee get. biscuit. Yeah, yeah. I make jokes around them just to see them put that very confused face on, and that is my humor. I get to laugh at them in in this case. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but, 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 these jokes are funny, right? And they're they're funny in the moment. They're funny to to mark out the differences between ethnic groups. That's not evil. We just need to stop it. Just stop it. It kind of goes back to one of my earlier points how, you know, if, if we can't have these honest, candid conversations with, you know, black brothers in Christ without them fearing that we're going to be racist or, or whatever, then it does us a disservice and them also a disservice. So I, I think... I think we need to drop the filter as, you know, I say we as like the entire white race in general, just because it really doesn't help anybody. Like if what we're saying is true, then let our truth stand on its merits and not be whiny little cowards our entire life. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I even catch myself you know, he, he goes on, uh, AD Robles goes on and says, even when they get good at resisting it, this urge to not uh, uh, reflexively defend themselves about racism, every now and again it comes out. And like any feeling that you suppress over and over 
when it comes out, it comes out in a huge flood and becomes an overreaction. That's what we saw yesterday. So I even see in myself sometimes, because I, I usually laugh it off, and I usually uh, color the conversation with jokes about how people are racist when they're obviously not racist. And so it, it, it primes the conversation for people to just ignore the whole racism thing. And I overdo it intentionally because then accusations of racism just don't mean anything. Um, you know, I bring up somebody put mayo on their sandwich. I tell them how that's racist. You know, they they eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I tell them that's racist. Um, and I, if if they want to get in a serious conversation about it, I'll show them the articles because I have them saved on my phone. I'll show them the articles from various uh, media institutions that are saying that eating mayo is racist and saying that eating PB&Js are racist. Uh, so they, they know that I'm not just making these things up. I'm, I'm using them as a joke. Um, but, you know, I, I do this with my family, and now it's just a, a running joke now. And so if anybody comes in and tries to legitimately say they, they're unironically trying to call something racist, it makes everybody laugh. And has the opposite reaction they were looking for, <laughs> which is the point, right? You, you want it to not land. You want it to not have any traction. And I do this in every social group. I do this at work. I do this. I do this everywhere. Um, and, and I think that should be our tactic is to make a joke out of it because it is a joke. Um, it was it was made up um, by a Jew who wanted to make Jews invulnerable to criticism. Yeah, no, no, this is stupid. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm not a Nazi. Just thought you should know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy kept calling us a Nazi because he wanted to obviously. And then he put "not a Nazi" in his in his uh, bio on Twitter. It, in my entire thing was like, I really want to let this guy know that I hate National Socialists. But I'm not yeah. willing to cede ground to this guy because it's not important that he doesn't know that I'm a Nazi. Like, I know I'm a not a Nazi, so screw this guy. Well, and, and I, I, what you're referencing, I made the meme um, of the, the guy going into the, the restroom and he walks past 12 urinals to go stand by the other guy <laughs> in the bathroom to tell him, Listen, I'm not a Nazi. Just wanted to let you know. <laughs> this really is not guys. Yeah, yeah. This is um, this is the level of uh, defensiveness we get. And I mean, you could change Nazi with you know racist or sexist. Even uh, men are just so defensive about sexism they fall over themselves to not be seen as sexist. Um. Oh, I'm a sexist. I don't like women. The only woman I really like is my wife. I tolerate the rest of them. <laughs> he says the only woman I like is my wife. And even sometimes that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> AD's continuing calling the people at the G3 conference clowns. Uh, and it <laughs> makes me happy. He's got this clown who's riding on a little baby tricycle and falling over. And he says, Israel under David wasn't the nation of Israel because the true and perfect Israel had not yet come, and David was an imperfect king. I don't see it. <laughs> With all of the uh, hullabaloo that was going on about Stephen Wolf's tweet, a lot of this hullabaloo was coming from the G3 conference uh, speakers. Uh, and I mentioned this earlier. Um, yeah, it was Josh Boyce, for instance, um, was getting all kinds of, excuse me, was getting all kinds of, you know, uppity about it. And he even retweeted uh, Stephen Wolf's with, you know, this embarrassed face. Like, how dare you be racist, Wolf? Um, but. He posts this this meme 
of a clown putting on his clown shoes. And the caption goes, G3 Baptist getting ready, getting ready to go on Twitter today. And his, his comment on Twitter for the meme says, it doesn't have to be this way. Don't want to lit in this. I didn't create the meme, but I wish I did. And so I dear and beloved James White, all caps like a boomer, saying, stop it, just stop it. And <laughs> this is probably my favorite meme of the week, and I've been posting it everywhere because it's hysterical, and I really want this meme to catch on um, because it's hysterical. Um, and, you know, James White explains in the dividing line, you know, we need to stop memeing each other. Stop the memeing. And the great thing, and the reason why I really love A.D. Robles, um, is because in response to uh, that, A.D. Robles puts out a video defending the memeing. And, and, you know, basically the Captain America meme where he says, no, I don't think I will. Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at SouthernRaisedBluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Just a